This is Talk To Me. The official podcast of MetalNexus.net. Your host, Joshua Toomey, bring you epic rants, anecdotes, and interviews with heavy hitters from hardcore A new life to hair metal. This is Talk To Me. Welcome to episode 143 of Talk To Me, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. I am your host, Joshua Toomey, and the guest this week is the great Elijah Witt of Cane Hill. If you have not checked out Cane Hill yet, you are doing yourself a disservice. Make sure and go check them out as soon as we get off this podcast. Their album, Too Far Gone, is out now, streaming on all the great services like Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, wherever you get your music. Go check them out on YouTube. Also, Nonpoint and Butcher Babies have announced a tour with opening bands Cane Hill and Sumo Psycho. Make sure and check your local listings and don't cry if they don't come to your town. Take a little road trip and go check out Nonpoint Butcher Babies, Cane Hill, and uh, have yourself a good time. And the podcast this week is brought to you by Good Company with Bowling, a great interview show with our good uh, good friend of the show, Scott Bowling. Interviews with Clint Lowry of Seven Dust, Head from Corn, Elias from Nonpoint. Also interviews with Lejean Witherspoon, and his great new episode is up now. Interview with Corey Lowry, formerly of Stuck Mojo, now of St. Asonia. Great high-quality stuff over there. So make sure to head over to www.scottgoodcompany.com or check him out on YouTube. Such great interviews over there. Great quality interviews. I was watching one the other night on my TV. It's Pro Shot. Scott asked great questions, so make sure to check out Good Company with Bowling. Thanks to everyone that checked out last week's episode with Howard Jones, formerly of Killswitch Engage, now of Light the Torch. I think the, the one thing I kept getting from so many people was the uh, Jinko's comment or the Jinko's conversation. It was funny how many people enjoyed hearing him and I talk about the 90s and uh, and our Jinko's. So, uh, so make sure you support Howard Jones and so he can go over and buy. I think they're buy two, get one free over on Jinko's.com right now. And let's get into some listener questions. Uh, once again, I put it through it out on Facebook and here are some of the questions. Uh, Steve Savage asks, what's your musical guilty pleasure? And I don't mean like a cheesy hair metal band, but something truly shameful in the realm of NSYNC or Britney Spears embarrassing LOL. Ah, oh, man. I mean, normally your guilty pleasure, I always say Limp Bizkit, but obviously you guys know that my guilty pleasure is not Limp Bizkit. So, you know, most listeners of the show know my love and affection, my love and affinity for the Spice Girls. Back in the day, obviously met Sporty Spice. We actually went to the Spice Girls concert and had a good time and looks like they're going to be doing a reunion tour, which you know I will be out at. So yeah, my uh, my embarrassing guilty pleasure, uh, Spice Girls Crash. Crafton asked, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And I googled it, and so crash. The answer is, a wildlife biologist once measured the inside volume of a typical woodchuck burrow, and from this they estimated that if wood filled the hole instead of dirt, the industrious animal would have chucked about 700 pounds worth. So 700 pounds is your answer. And uh, finally, Daniel Terry of Discography Discussion Podcast asked, uh, what has been your most awkward moment while doing an interview? Nothing personal or behind the scenes, just like have you ever started an interview and just ha- suddenly had to poop 
or had a power outage or anything like that. Uh, the answer to this one is um, when I first interviewed Biff Byford of Saxon, uh, we we did about 20 good minutes of an interview. Uh, got got all the way through the interview. My I had some uh, software that I was using at the time, and something didn't necessarily look right, but I went ahead and did the interview anyway. And uh, he was telling great stories about playing with Metallica the first time and, and uh, playing shows with, uh, you know, playing around the time Motorhead was playing and uh, following the Sex Pistols around on tour. You know, Sex Pistols would play one night. The next night, Saxon would roll into a completely destroyed, uh, you know, club. So they would, uh, you know, they would do those shows. And he was telling me all, all kinds of great stories. In the interview, I go back to listen to it. And uh, it's just me. It's just me going, so what was it like playing with Metallica? Silence. So what was it like, you know, following the sex pistol silence? So I graciously reached out to him once again and said, hey, you know, I apologize, but my interview didn't go through, uh, didn't record properly. And uh, he, you know, he, he did the interview again. If you go back and check it out, it's on the Don Jameson episode. Uh, I think we did only like 10 minutes and same questions, but you know, once you get those stories the first time and the, the, the original spark is not there anymore, it wasn't as great as it could have been. So yeah, I guess the most embarrassing thing was having to go back to Biff Byford, who is a legend and say, man, I fucked up. Do you mind redoing the interview? But he graciously uh, redid that interview. And before we get into our Robert Vera's pick from the kit this week, let's talk a little bit about patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash talk to me. I'd like to give a huge shout out to my Patreon patrons and uh, the names, Daniel Terry, Joel Baggett, Scott Bowling, Stephen Odette, Travis Turner, and Yancey Turner. I got to give a huge shout out to you guys uh, for donating each month. And if you guys want your name read next month, Go and donate a couple of bucks to the podcast. It's as easy as that. We've got a few different levels over there on Patreon.com. That's the digital hug level, which is $1 a month. This level, you will earn a warm place in your heart for helping the Talk To Me podcast. Now, how hard is it for you to go over and sign up for a dollar a month? Are you going to lose that dollar a month? Or are you going to miss that dollar a month? You never know. Uh, also, three bucks. The Loch Ness Monster minus 50 cents. And if you get that, that's a funny joke. How come he gave the Loch Ness Monster tree fitty? <laughs> At this level, you will learn of the guest in advance and have the chance to have a question for the guest answered. Uh, that's always fun. I've been, uh, been updating that. The OMG, I get all of this for five bucks level. Uh, at this level, you will have access to bonus episode content and special Patreon contributor ask questions. After six months of contributions, you will receive a Talk To Me tea. And the most amazing people ever level for $10 a month. This is premium level. You will get all the other perks, plus bonus content uploaded to a special Facebook group. And if you want to be real rich, you can host your own episode of the Talk To Me podcast. It's kind of pricey. Head over to patreon.com slash talk to me and check that out for yourself. But head over there, become a patron, and I'll give you a nice shout out on the podcast. I will forever be indebted to you. So support the podcast, support what we're doing over here. And if you don't want to support the podcast monetarily, just make sure you're hitting that subscribe button on iTunes, rate, review the podcast, head over to facebook.com slash talk to me, talk, review the podcast there and just tell a friend, tell a friend, say, Hey, go check out what Toomey's doing. It's some fun stuff. And if you sign up right now for Patreon, there's a huge interview alert for the, for the beginning of April that you'll need to check out and become a patron to find out about, which I'm already getting some great interview questions for. So head over to patreon.com right now to find out the special guest in the beginning of April. It's good stuff. And like I said, or at the top of the show, 
Nonpoint Butcher Babies going out on tour together. Um, make sure and go check that out when it comes through your city. And so for that and a little bit more and some good information on the VIP for Nonpoint's VIP, let's head over to Rob Rivera and Rob Rivera's Pick from the Kit. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Rivera from the band Nonpoint. And this is my pick of the week or pick from the kit. Like uh, Joshua advised me to do, and I keep forgetting to say it. Uh, Joshua also did advise me to plug my tour. I usually don't really like to talk about me doing this pick of the week thing or kit, but our hiatus is over, and we're heading out on tour this spring with our good friends, the Butcher Babies, uh, up-and-comers Kane Hill, and our really good friend Sumo Psycho from Canada, which we toured with in uh, in Europe when we were out with them and Fozzie. Really, really cool Canadian band. Uh, think Skindred, and that'll probably kind of narrow it down, the vibe that you're going to get from that band. Kane Hill I'm not too familiar with. Um, just listened to a few of their songs, uh, and it sounds really cool. I'm excited. It seems like uh, it's going to be a very high-energy show from start to finish. And really, really stoked. Uh, we've been talking to the Butcher Babies for a couple years now about possibly doing something together. And now we're finally going to get to do it. Uh, so the tour starts in Dallas, Texas, I believe, April 25th, I think is the, the date. Yeah, the 25th. And it ends right now in Jerome, Idaho on in June. So come check it out. Uh, Butcher Babies is uh, promoting their last album called Lilith Kane Hill and Sumo Cycle have new music and we will have new music out this summer uh, we may be even be playing a song off the new record maybe a couple so go to nonpoint.com check all the dates we're going to have an awesome VIP there um, available soon it's going to be the X listening party so you'll be able to do a meet and greet and listen to the new album before anyone else so stay tuned for those details my pick of the week is Hardcore Legends Sick of It All, the song Scratched the Surface. Um, I had the privilege of seeing Sick of It All, I believe. I've only seen them once live. And it was at the very first Warped Tour at Club Revolution in Fort Lauderdale. That's how small that tour was back then. It was them, L7, Orange 9mm was on the show, uh, Sublime, a bunch of uh, Into Another, another cool New York band um, was on the show. But Sick of It All played that second stage, or the outside stage, and I mean, they just crushed it. They were, they're so amazing live, and, and the fact that they've been around for 35 years, have released so many killer records, definitely one of the pioneers, along with Agnostic Front, and the Cro-Mags, and Madball, like all four of those bands are still going strong. Cro-Mags have not released any new music, but they still tour and still tour pretty regular so they're actually playing around me pretty soon so i'm excited to go see that hopefully i can catch it but uh yeah anyway scratch the surface we actually non-point actually covered that song really early in our career uh we played a few shows with Hatebreed, i think it was or one show or something we did a club show i believe it was atlanta the masquerade and we we covered the song seeing who we were playing with i said you know let's throw in a hardcore song in there so maybe the fans you know can dig on what we were doing you know and it actually worked out really well uh, and the guys uh, we did this with the original lineup and um 
did a really killer job. So, anyway, uh, this is uh, sick of it all with scratch the surface. See you all next week. Take care. Peace. All right, guys, we got Elijah Witz from Cane Hill on the line, man. How, Elijah, how are you doing today? I am doing fucking great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, man. Where are you at in the, in the world today? Um, Mesa or Tempe, Arizona, some shitty outskirt of Phoenix, Arizona. Nice. Nice. And how is this, uh, how is this tour going with uh, of Mice and Men? This tour has actually been great. Um, we haven't hit this demographic in a really long time. So coming back into this, especially with the mice men kind of like proving that there's still a, a, a force to be reckoned with, it's actually been really good. It's been like revitalizing and fucking, it's, it's blown us away in general. Every time I turn around, you know, people are talking about this new, new metal that's popped up and, you know, you guys are kind of like the, the, the forefathers of this or the front runners of this, uh, this new, new metal scene coming out. Which is crazy to me, man. I mean, personally, I... I would never have thought that we would be called new metal. Um, that's the weirdest thing to me. Uh, my brother, he's like 38. He grew up on new metal. He got me listening to new metal when I was a little kid. But it, 
I was never like a new metal head, you know what I mean? Like, Corn was cool. I never really listened to Slipknot or anything like that. I think, I think what it kind of boiled down to was that the, what we listened to was similar to what new metal bands listened to when they were coming up, and mm-hmm. that's why our sounds are kind of similar because it's just like a modernized version of like '80s and '90s heavy thrash and metal and hip hop, you know. Oh yeah, I mean it's all good stuff, and I think I think a little bit of it's uh, you know you got a little bit of Corey Taylor in your voice, and then uh, you kind of hit that Manson stuff too. But I mean it's all great stuff. I mean the new album, uh, Too Far Gone, is just just Hook City, so I, I love it. Man, you know do we love hooks? We listen to like some some pop and like Shine Down and like mainstream rock where it's all about hooks, and we sit there and we're like, this is my shit. This will be in my head for the next twelve days. That's all we wanted to do. We wanted hooks. We wanted people to be able to sing along or scream along and like have it repetitive, just like in their head until they fucking hated it. So you're talking about growing up listening to stuff. What did you grow up listening to? Um, honestly, until I was like 12 or 13, I didn't. I don't even know what I listened to. I don't think I ever had much of a say in the music that was playing in my life. My, I grew up with an older sister who was very bossy. Um, my mom never really put on music unless it was Phil Collins or this French guy named Johnny Holiday. Nice. Um, so when I started listening to music myself, it was my, like I said, my brother showed me fucking Corn, Thirty Six Crazy Fists, Five Finger Death Punch, Back in the Gap, um, Cake, Primus, like all these weird metal bands I never heard of. And then I was like, okay, I'll push that to the back of my brain, and I moved on, and then started listening to country i think when i was a little kid and and my friends dragged me out of that thank god <laughs> uh, i still like country a little bit but only the older stuff yeah um that's when i got into nickelback Ooh. and <laughs> nickelback is a hit machine um and i don't know it just weirdly progressed from there and like i listened to like three days grace third eye blind weird mix of like 2000s rock and, and 90s grunge um I love Alice in Chains, uh, Nirvana, and then on the on the flip side from all that, I was listening to like Good Charlotte and and Simple Plan and like all these weird like kind of emo pop punk bands that were coming up back then. So there was like a wide variety, and um, in my head, they all wrote great hooks. <laughs> so that's what I've always I just always loved a good hook, man. And and when it came from something angsty or redneck, whichever one it was, I'm like, this is fucking good. You know, when you think of, you guys are from New Orleans and the New Orleans area, and when I think of New Orleans, I think of I Hate God and Crowbar and, you know, Down and all oh, that type of stuff, shit. you know, like the, and hearing you guys kind of come out of that area, you know, how I guess how is the New Orleans area take to you and, and because obviously you're a little bit more upbeat than most of the uh, the bands down there that I know of. Oh, yeah, I mean, a lot of those bands are like uh, sludgy groove metal, and I think what we got out of the New Orleans scene was that groove. The thing that the thing that all these New Orleans area bands have in common is that it's like, we love that head-bobbing, groovy shit. Um, and whether it's fast or slow-paced was no consolation to us. Um, I don't know, I, I think... New Orleans is this weird hotbed of like blues and jazz, and it's the metal scene is a little bit weird. It's a little bit older than we were because um, when we came into it, the metal that was doing really well in New Orleans at the time was it had somehow turned into scene music, like the Dolores Prada, a 
day to remember out of nowhere hardcore and kind of thrashier underground metal bands started taking the storm and the scene music kind of disappeared. So I don't, honestly, I couldn't tell you where our sound comes from because James started writing all the riffs back in the day. And I know he's, he listened to like prog metal, like contortionist, um, the fucking uh, the band between the buried and me, mm-hmm. things like that. And he grew up with his dad's blues influence. His dad's a blues guitarist and was in a bunch of blues rock bands back in in his heyday. So oh, I get asked that question a lot. And I never really know what to say because I mean the only thing that I can I can pin New Orleans metal to and us is, is just that kind of head body groove. Mm-hmm. You've gotten a chance to tour with a lot of um, veterans in this in this scene. And um, what do you take away from, you know, touring with a guy like Des from Devil Driver or even uh, doing shows back with uh, with Howard Jones and uh, Devil You Know, now Light the Torch? It's, it's kind of just crazy. Um, we, we come in as young kids in comparison and we're like, all right, got to keep up with these old dogs. <laughs> and um, what, what it really just teaches us is, is that there's this level of respect that, that goes above and beyond all of the other inner workings of the music industry where if we just we just do our job we are as professional as possible we get in we get out we play our set we don't step on any toes that's honestly uh what's gotten us as far as we have in this industry so far is just that we we show up to do our job and when you see all these older acts and these, and these godfathers of metal and and heavy music and you're on tour with them constantly it's it's um it's crazy, man. Like they've been doing it for so long, and we're just these these weird young kids, just like kind of following in their footsteps, learning learning their moves, and watching them on stage to see what they used to do and what they do now, and kind of what's changed. And then we manipulate ourselves. We we um we morph ourselves into what we need to be. And we we kind of just learn how how all these other bands have been successful for so long. And, and we try to take notes and, and push ourselves to, to become what they were or are, you know? Right. Uh, of the, you know, vocalists you've toured with, who's maybe the one person that you've learned the most from? Oh, probably Brandon and Alex from Atreyu. Um, Brandon has the voice of a goddamn angel and he's on par every night with, with his 100% performance. Like if he gave, a 10 out of 10 performance the last night, he's going to give him an 11 out of 10 performance the next night. And, and his voice is perfection every single night. And then Alex is one of the most entertaining front men I've ever seen. So I mean, I just, I've, I've picked their brains multiple times on what they do, their warm ups, how they get into the, to the mindset that they need to be in to, to put on such an amazing show every single night, even after so many years of doing it, because, I'm not even the biggest fan of watching live music. It's very, very weird that I like performing and, and I want people to be excited in the crowd when I'm not one of the excited people in crowds. But I watch the Treyu every single night. I've, I've never seen a more entertaining band. Being, a, being an opening band on, on all these tours and all these bills, I mean, it, it's your job as, as a singer and as a performer to kind of like get the night started, you know? And, and uh, do, you, do, you, do you like that challenge or do you, uh, do you just kind of hope that the crowd there knows Kane Hill before they get in the doors? It's actually kind of one of the most fun things about being a front man in, in one of the opening bands or one of the newer bands that not everyone knows is that I get to 
I get to sit there and figure out how to get these different demographics of fans, whether it's a different area or a different tour, um, like a, a different genre tour, because everywhere across the world, even state to state, has a completely different kind of crowd. They like different things. Um, so I, I always kind of think of it as a way to like become a chameleon, and I figure out exactly what they want, just kind of like I was talking about earlier. Like we, we are able to kind of form ourselves into being exactly what we know they want us to be, regardless of our discography and what our sound is as a whole for us in that moment where we're in the mindset of we're going to be exactly what they want to hear tonight. Um, whether they know it or not, it's our goal to, to be who they want us to be, to say what they want to hear and, and to perform the way they want us to perform kind of on like a subconscious level. So it's, it's a, it's a fun game for me as a vocalist to kind of, play with their emotions without them having any idea what I'm doing, if that makes any sense. And then to get their blood riling one way or another based on how I can tell that, that they, they would react. Yeah. When I saw you here at Louisville, I know that after, after you played, I mean, you kind of did what most lead singers do and should do is you, you went straight to the merch booth and talked to everybody. And, and I was kind of watching, you know, watching you work doing that. Uh, do you find, you know, you're basically making new fans each night, Absolutely. And, and that's what we try to do. We try to be as personable as possible. We try to get people to like us, get people to like us in any way we can. And we know that people want a personal connections with the band. People want to be able to meet them and talk to us and, and pick our brains. Just like we always wanted to pick the band's brains that we looked up to and never really got to because um, it's, it's not very often that a band is able or willing to go to their merch table afterwards. And I think another thing is, I mean, with the way the music industry is going, I mean, we got to hustle merch as hard as possible. That mm-hmm. means going to the table, making connections, um, forming relationships with people, having them come back to see us again, and legitimately, literally just giving them what they want. I mean, people will pay hundreds of dollars for meet and greets with the headliner, and they get all this stuff, they get all this merch, they get it free, and we don't have the ability to do that, um, which is completely understandable. But we have to find a way to interact with our fans on our own without having the um, the VIP meet and greet. Like anyone can come up, anyone can talk to us if they want to become friends with us. Sure, fucking go for it. I'm here until I leave. Um, but it's our job. It's our job to 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 be social. It's our job to be interactive with the fans because they're the ones that all of this is for. All we do is make the music. Mm-hmm. I'm not on tour to play it every night for my own selfish gratification. I'm here to play every night to kids that want to see us, kids that have spent their money coming out to see us or, or, or to see the headliner. And it's like, we're an added bonus. We're like the cherry on top for those motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing that's, you know, obviously different from my days of touring to what you're doing now is, you know, you're, you almost have to go to the merch booth and you almost have to like shake hands and kiss babies as much as possible you know, late nineties, early two thousands, you could play the show and then go directly to the van slash bus and, you know, not see a fan. Not that I would ever do that, but I'm saying that that was more of a thing. The, the rock star mystique was more there to where now, you know, you have yeah. to be almost a man of the people. I love the whole rock star mystique thing too, man. That would have been sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much better at being introverted. This is, this shit pushes me outside my bubble, you know, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, with social media and, and the, the quickness of the internet and, and people's access to information left and right, um, I think if we didn't go create a personal connection with them, it would be this, this gigantic like counter to, to the way the world has developed socially. You know, they, they can get what they want. And if they don't get to meet us, if we're too good to meet them in their heads, which for what it's worth, I think is ridiculous. I am a human with my own life. Um, then we lose them. Mm -hmm. And I'm more than willing to put myself in a situation where I have what an hour of my time spent talking to people who want to tell me that they loved our show or tell me how they feel or tell me that they're shaked because they're excited to meet me, which also I find ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I mean, if, if, if that's what they want, then I think it would be dumb for me not to give it to them and dumb for me not to put the effort into to keeping them as a fan or turning them from just a regular fan into a super fan, if you will. Um, it's definitely a different time though, because I know that back then that never happened because I went to shows where there was no shot of ever meeting the band. It was just, they are on stage larger than life and that is all it will ever be. Right. Yeah. And I definitely remember going to those shows. Did you, did you guys support the insane clown posse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me how that was and how that went over. Absolutely. Exactly. As you would think it would go. It was a, fucking mess um i mean we were in this weird part in our lives where we were doing so much acid it was dangerous you know um we were belligerently drunk dropping acid smoking too much weed so we kind of fit in yeah, yeah. you know it was, it was like this makes sense um but some of the weirdest shows i've ever played some of the weirdest crowds and the weirdest people um icp has basically their own insane clown posse hot topic inside every venue like 80 different items from duvet covers to bootleg dvds jewelry and t-shirts you know like anything they want and we're sitting across the room with like three t-shirts with <laughs> kind of shitty designs just like all right so this is a tour about the show yes <laughs> and we just and we got family chants and whoop whoops almost every night so i think we did okay we still got juggalos to come out to the shows strange it's strange yeah that's awesome but the um but a worthwhile endeavor <laughs> yeah the uh i saw them i saw them i guess on the great malenko tour back in whatever that was like 90 whatever and uh even back then man it was that was the most merch i'd ever seen for a band in my life they even back then they had the jerseys and the skateboard decks and everything else so so they they've they've at least figured it out you know they, they've made their they've made they their money they know their market yes. they are marketing they're like the, the the kiss of the methy underground and that's <laughs> not even an insult I'm assuming seeing uh, ICP daily on acid is probably one of the more uh, bizarre things you've ever done in your life man <laughs> I don't <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it again <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't tour with ICP or you wouldn't drop acid and tour with I ICP? drop acid on an ICP tour. <laughs> oh, man, that's too good. I'd tour with ICP again, honestly. Oh, I mean... Make it a shorter run than the first one, but let's, let's do it again. That'd be fantastic. Uh, when you tour, are you a... Uh, do you try to explore the town as much as possible or you stay back at the venue guy? Well, how's the weather on this day that I'm supposed to explore? 
Ooh, I mean, is it, it freezing? Because you'll catch my ass in the van all day. <laughs> is it like a nice day? I might go find some food. There you go. But I don't know. I I'm insatiably lazy. Uh, sometimes I feel like going to do things. Other times I make plans to do things, and most of the time I don't do things. Yeah. I always like the, uh, you know, you get home from tour and someone asks you, like, oh, man, I see you went to St. Louis. What was your favorite part of St. Louis? And you're like, well, I saw about a block around the venue of St. Louis, and that's about it. You yeah, know, like, I feel like there was a barbecue place down the road that was really good. <laughs> that was my favorite part of St. Louis. Yeah, I've been to St. Louis, what, like, six times. I've never gone in the Arch, and I never fucking will. The Arch is wildly inconvenient when you're on tour. The Arch is kind of cool, though, man. I did, I did uh, one, one of the times I played St. Louis, we did go to the Arch, and uh, th- just going to the top is a cool experience because you get in these like egg shaped pods. Honestly, it sounds terrifying. It's yeah, it, no, don't get me wrong. I, I have a fear of heights and fear of edges, and yeah, I was yeah. I was up there, and and the the arch sways, so you're up there and you feel it moving, and you're like, yeah, this is not for me. But it was awesome, but it's terrifying at the same give time. A big old fuck nod of that. <laughs> well, next time we're in, I'm in St. Louis and you're there too. I'm gonna take you to the arch. I'll hold you to that. Dude, your bass player's uh, bass tone is the absolute best bass tone I think I've ever heard on an album. Like, if I was to create a perfect bass tone, that's the one I want. You have no idea how much effort goes into that, because when we're trying to explain it to people mixing our album, they never listen to to the bass tone that we want. I mean, we were sitting there once, and he's playing his bass part, and the the engineer looks, and he's like, that's not what the guitar does. And we're just like... (laughs) Well, no shit, brother. <laughs> That's what the <laughs> fucking bass does. Um, but no, yeah, he, I mean, what, we're blessed with Ryan as a bassist. He's the only bassist I've ever had that's like an actual bassist and not a dude that plays bass. Yeah. The amount of time and effort that go into his tone and the pride that he has in his tone is absolutely extraordinary. Um, he, being a four-piece, if we didn't have that tone, if he, didn't, if he wasn't that fucking good at bass, it would be a disaster. Yeah, when you talk about your growing up on your thrash roots, like Ryan, I know has to be a huge thrash fan. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's the biggest one. He um, he idolizes all of the fucking major bassists from that era, like Newstead, uh, Rex Brown, other ones I don't know the names of because <laughs> I'm a vocalist. Uh, growing up in New Orleans, did you ever cross paths with Phil Anselmo? No, but I toured with him. There you go. How was that for you? <laughs> It was weird. <laughs> uh, and my brother is his fucking banker, so uh, it's a small world. He lives in the town that I grew up in. Oh, wow. It's like, it's weird. It's weird. It's strange. Like, growing up, and you're like, I fucking love Pantera. And I'd be like, oh, Phil lives like two miles from where I used to shoot vans with paintball guns. <laughs> and he's, and your brother is his banker. That's odd. How does... Yeah, the last day of tour, Phil comes up to me because he's reclusive yeah. like all vocalists and he just comes up he's like you're my banker's brother <laughs> that's a good Phil and someone like, impression hello Philip. <laughs> <laughs> you're my idol <laughs> <laughs> I look up to you so much I want I watch videos of you playing to millions of people in Russia all the time what's up man <laughs> right uh, yeah that uh, that Russia video is amazing out of this world What's the next tour for, for Kane Hill? Uh, I think we're announcing one next week. But, uh, when does this podcast air? This one will be out not this Thursday, but next Thursday. Uh, 
feel like I can talk about it then. What do you got? Uh, sure. Uh, it's a Butcher Babies non-point tour in the U.S. Very cool, man. Yeah, that's going to be a good tour, man. He's uh, they, they, They've been hinting at something, and uh, their fans have been just going nuts, chomping at the bit, trying to figure out what's going on. So that's going to be a great tour for you guys. Well, that's it. It's going to be a hell of a tour. Butcher Babies are amazing. Uh, we played a festival with them a long time ago, and they, they put on a fucking hell of a show. They're a performance. I love it. Absolutely. So when when are you guys going to uh, actually pull out and do the uh, do the full-on Cane Hill headlining tour? We've been thinking about doing that for so long. Um, we And before we got this tour, the Butcher Babies one, we were, um, we were actually in the process of planning a headliner. And then it was like, okay, well, no, let's do this instead. Um, and when we were, before we confirmed the Of Mice tour that we're on right now, we're like, okay, let's do a headliner at that time. Then we got the tour offer. So it's just been kind of like, back and forth we definitely want to but we keep getting these offers we don't want to turn down right would you would you um um, in a a headlining situation and uh i've I've noticed a lot of bands are kind of kind of pulling this move lately with like even like a day to remember taking out papa roach and and like you know a a newer band that's not that the day to remember is newer but i'm saying like a uh, a newer established band taking out like an old uh, older established band and kind of showing um you know, where you're at in the pecking order type thing. And, and, uh, you know, what, would a Kane Hill take out a flaw or would it, you know, take out a band like that? Hell yeah. <laughs> but at the same token, that seems super presumptuous. <laughs> right. <laughs> like they've, they've got the name and it's, it's, uh, I mean, this band wage war just took out another band called Gideon mm-hmm. and, and Gideon was the big melodic hardcore band. And then wage war came in fresh off warp tour like yeah now we're headliners and everyone's just kind of like oh shit it's right. a new wave and then this band knocked loose is taking out terror there you go yeah and, that was another yeah just, we're all just looking at these flyers are like we're living in a completely new time and it um i don't know if if an older band wanted to come out on one of our headliners we'd be more than welcoming to the idea but uh i don't think i think we're a little bit like we're seems like a weird egotistical move to me <laughs> i don't know I don't know. It just has to be the right situation, I guess. Yeah. Coming from that era myself and seeing what you guys are doing, I don't think it's from the outside looking in, I don't think it's as presumptuous as you think it is. Like and I think it's actually a I think it would be a cool move for the for whatever heritage new metal band you find and yourselves. I think it would be cool on both ends. I'd be super down. I think that would make for a really fun headlining tour, honestly. Yeah. Because what who we look at for all of our supports when we do start planning this is bands that we are that we've come up with, you know, bands from our time period that we know that we're bigger than and we're like, Okay, you guys want to support us and then that other the other side of it is like who used to be far bigger than us has a similar sound that we know that we are currently bigger than. Yeah. You know, it's it's like it's a it's a a weird formula to kind of build in your head. And you have all these fucking factors, like how important is their name? Have they put out an album? Like what are their sales? Do those sales even fucking matter anymore? You know? Yeah. It's a completely different world, man. It's absolutely, you know, the, the amount of sales that primer did back in the day compared to what, if you took that number back then, which was kind of seen as like a, a lower tier, almost failure. If you put those numbers out now, we would be the biggest band ever made. So, <laughs> you yeah, know, man. Sales are demoralizing right now. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Like I, I, 
I've asked a lot of people in here, I mean, like, what is, when you put out, like, when Kane Hill puts out an album, do you have, like, a, like, a, if we sell 10,000, are you happy? If it's like, are you, like, 60,000? You know what I'm 10, saying? 10,000 first week. If we sold 10,000 first week, I'd be rolling in $100 bills right now. <laughs> That's where this fucking scene is so right now. So crazy. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen with, with this kind of music anymore. Like, yeah. even, even bands, that are, are far bigger than us are struggling to get 8,000 sales first week. That's crazy. But then their streams are out of this world. Right. And I think that's where you need to start focusing your attention. I think that's, uh, I think for, for as many old dudes that I know that are, are crying that Best Buy is no longer going to sell CDs and Target's going to, you know, yeah, it's like, it's like, why are you trying, why are you fighting this? Why are you fighting streaming? Yeah, then, then there's, the, the side of streaming where you can you can pay for streams, man. You can spend a little money and, and fake your way to the top. You can pay for streams, oh, yeah. like follows anything you want. And that's kind of where I think album sales like are very definitive is that I'm not going to go out and spend $100,000 <laughs> trying to buy right. 10,000 records to make us look great. You know, but you can spend 50 bucks for 500,000 streams on a video and it's like, Look how important. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I know that from this side of the thing too. You know, if I want to compete in this podcast market, I mean, I obviously, if you approach a new publicist and you go, "Hey, I've got X amount of Facebook likes and X amount of Twitter followers and X amount of downloads," I mean, you can fake all those numbers, and it's a it makes for a scary world when you try to get into you know, like what's real and what's not. Because I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you've done the you know mm-hmm. a promoted Facebook mm-hmm. post. And then you start looking at the people who like the post, and you're like, "Are these even real people? You know, like where are these? Like none of those people. <laughs> like, they're like they're all not just like bots in India or something." It's crazy, man. I mean, I look at I look at bands I'm friends with. I go to their profiles, and it'll be like fucking two hundred ninety three thousand followers, and look at two hundred likes. Yeah, something. Like, <laughs> yeah, something's not right here. Fucking bullshit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a whole mess of world, and 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 just how easy it is to manipulate stats is. Yeah, it's it's super lame and super annoying because I mean they're gonna get on tour, they're gonna get a good tour, they're gonna get there, and it's gonna be like I thought you had a following. Everyone's gonna be wildly confused as to where that following is. And I'll just be <laughs> told all in the you. corner, like. Well, I mean that's you know not you know it's still it's still commonplace to for the whole pay to play type stuff and buy onto tours, but you know that was another thing that's you know kind of another way to manipulate your way to the top was. Back in you know back when we would do have 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 that one you know Just rich uncle money. that uh, supports your band and the next thing you know you're on tours and you're playing over bands that uh, you have no business playing over and you're like how did this band get on this bill and then you start hearing the rumors and you're like okay I get it now it all makes sense mm-hmm. it's who you know even if it's family or industry if you know someone big you're fine. <laughs> You don't have to work Absolutely, man. Well, uh, I'm going to let you get back to uh, possibly uh, exploring Mesa, Arizona, or wherever you are out in the world today. And uh, I'm sure it's nice. There you go. I'm living the living the uh, living the dream out there on tour, man. <laughs> and uh, let's see here. Um, too far gone out now. So uh, if you want to go pick up a copy of it or, or stream it, you know what's your what's your preferred method? Do you do you want them to stream it? Do you want them to buy it? Do you want them to buy our album at the store at the uh, show? What do you want to do? In all honesty, I couldn't give a shit less if they spent money on it, stole it, streamed it. It does not matter to me one inkling because in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to do me any good. Um, 
as long as they listen to the music and they come out and support us physically in person, pick up some merch, come say hi, buy a ticket, whatever the fuck it is. That's all I care about. Listen to the music, feel something from it, enjoy it, love it, get it however the fuck you can afford to, and come out and show us you love us in real life. Very cool, man. And uh, let's end this with the song off of uh, Too Far Gone. What song would you like to pick, and then uh, maybe give me a story behind it? Oh, you want to go heavy or soft? You pick. Oh, uh, heavy. This is a heavy show. Heavy? <laughs> yeah, okay. So let's do It Follows. Okay. It Follows is uh, it's um, one of our heavier songs with one of our biggest hooks, in our opinion, and it's kind of just about the time period in our, in our life the the time that we were on the icp tour and all the way through to, to the next year where we were just pushing ourselves uh on drugs alcohol and everything and, and it just caused so many problems in our lives um as like professional musicians and just as people um it's kind of just the trouble that follows you while you're going down that lifestyle elijah witt thanks for taking the time today man it, it was an absolute pleasure thank you for having me on the podcast
Hey, what's up? This is Howard Jones from Light the Torch, and you are listening to Talk to Me. Do it! And a huge thank you to Elijah Witz of Cane Hill. Make sure you are checking out Too Far Gone, the latest album from Cane Hill, and check them out on the upcoming Non-Point Butcher Babies Tour. Support good people. Support the Talk To Me friends and the Talk To Me family. While I was getting that together, I actually got a couple of more Facebook questions in, So, and I have to do it because it's Fist for Metal Nexus, and if I don't get his question in, I could possibly be fired. Can Fist fire me? Uh, <laughs> Fist writes, uh, What is a band that you think will be the next big thing? I am absolutely the worst person to ask this question to. Um, keeping up on new bands. Uh, let's see. The, the next big thing will be Crobot. 
I have a feeling Crowbot's going to do some great stuff. Howard Jones is uh, Howard Jones in the studio with those guys, and I, I do wish that they would have kept the uh, Figueroa boys, but uh, but yeah, I think Crowbots will be the next big thing. I think they're rocking enough to have a wide base, and they're not just a huge metal band. So yeah, let's let's shoot for Crowbot. Come on, Crowbots. I mean, I'm sure everybody's going to say Greta Van Fleet or some one of those bands. Uh, the heavy stuff, one good song. You know, Kane Hill could be the next big thing. You never know. Uh, and another one, uh, Victor Ruiz from the Mars Attacks podcast and Ear Peeler, our good friend over there at Ear Peeler. What band was coming up where you swore would be huge but fizzled out? That's a really tough question. Thanks, Vic. Um, man, you would I thought would be huge but fizzled out. There were so many bands kind of in that late 90s, early 2000s stuff where when like the end of new metal, the beginning of uh, the new wave of American heavy metal, some of those bands I thought would have been huge. Um, I would think a band like, I'm trying to think what huge would be at this point. Um, fizzled out is such a tough term. I think I'll go with Nothing Face. I think I always thought Nothing Face would have, should, have been, should have been way bigger than they ever were, and they truly fizzled out as a band, and obviously they'll never uh, be anymore now that their singer has passed away. But yeah, I think Nothing Face is probably a band that I, that I thought would be huge and fizzled out. Um, you know, And then they also went on to do Hell Yeah, which is a terrible band. And uh, so the, yeah, they fizzled out from, <laughs> from moment one with Hell Yeah. But uh, Nothing Face, I think, is going to be my answer to what band I thought was going to be huge but, uh, but fizzled out. And uh, you heard there, uh, Kane Hill. The first song there was Kane Hill, followed up by some Deftones. I played that because I interviewed uh, Jeff Irwin, of Willhaven, and it turned into basically him and I talking about how much we love the Deftones. Uh, next week's episode is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of Deftones remembrance. Uh, Jeff grew up with the Deftones guys, and if you were a Deftones fan in the late 90s, early 2000s, you, you most likely saw Willhaven at some point. So we talked about uh, you know his time living with Chino, his time hanging out with the dudes in Slipknot and how Chris Finn of Slipknot came to be a part of Willhaven for a moment about their new album, Muerte, Muerte, Muerte. And, uh, yeah, it's a fun chat. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect from, from Jeff and ended up talking and having a great conversation about almost an hour's worth of uh, conversation next week. And once again, guys, make sure to go over to uh, scottgoodcompany.com. Check out our good friends over there at Good Company with Bowling. Uh, make sure to check out metalnexus.net for all your metal needs. And thank you to Elijah Witt for coming on the show. And so until next Thursday, for Talk To Me, the official podcast of metalnexus.net, I am Joshua Toomey, and you guys have a great week.